0: Please, if you would, turn to the Gospel of Luke. We will be dealing with Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The story of the blind beggar and the story of Zacchaeus. Let's pray. So, Father, I, as a child in my heart, Beg of you to use me to be a conduit of these passages, to be a conduit of the Word of God, to say what it says, to apply it faithfully and that you give mercifully ears for all of us to hear, to see, and to obey to our eternal joy and to Jesus' glory in this place. Amen. Amen. At this point now in our journey through the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is just a few weeks away from His death. Jericho is 12 miles from Jerusalem. But at this point now, I just kind of want to for a minute go up in a helicopter and look at the forest because we don't want to miss what Dr. Luke has in mind. I mean, he's preaching in the narrative. He, he's, he knows what he's doing as he writes it to Gentiles in Corinth or Ephesus with a few Jewish believers in Philippi, or 2,000 years later, he's doing something here. So let's not miss the forest of that glorious picture that he's been painting. Starting back in verse 9 of chapter 18, remember Jesus told the parable of two men praying in the temple, the Pharisee and the tax collector. So he tells this parable of the Pharisee to show this self Righteous man. Glad I'm not like him. He does that in order to show us how not to be saved. Then he tells us of the despised tax collector who, standing far off, wouldn't look up, beat his chest, and said, Be merciful to me, a sinner. And then he showed us Jesus taught unless you become as a little dependent child you'll never enter the kingdom of God and then not a parable but an actual historical event the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus what must I do to be saved to have eternal life and in the end he walked away sad and unsaved but on the other hand Peter and the disciples of Jesus we Left our homes and followed you. And now we come to these two historical situations of the blind beggar and the rich Zacchaeus. And they are actual illustrations of what has been going on in Luke since the beginning of chapter 18. These two guys... Model the tax collector in the temple. Be merciful to me, a sinner. These two stories stand in contrast to the Pharisee in the temple and to the rich young ruler. Both of them tried to come and find eternal life based on what they could do. The Pharisee and the rich young ruler from the outside looked like prime candidates to be saved by Jesus, the Savior. And yet, they missed it. They missed it. Because they both trusted in themselves and refused to acknowledge the depth of their sin and their desperate need for a severe mercy. And on the other hand, the blind beggar and this despised rich chief tax collector, they were very unlikely candidates to be saved to follow the Savior. And yet, they walked away saved. They walked away because of their heart of faith that clung to the mercy of God. This is the big picture that we've been seeing. And to summarize everything that we have seen and what we will see now in these two examples, Luke has it that Jesus will do it for us. In verse 10 of chapter 19. This is what all of this has been about for the last couple months. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what that's all about. That's what's been happening. So let's look at The first story, the blind beggar, starting with verse 35 of chapter 18 of Luke. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on Me! And those who were in front rebuked Him, telling Him to be silent. But He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on Me! And Jesus stopped and commanded Him to be brought to Him. And when He came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God." Okay, This guy got mercy. He got what he asked for. And the mercy that this blind man got happened when Jesus passed by. And that is true for every soul have you ever been blessed to have Jesus pass by have you ever in other words had Jesus had the message of his life his death and his resurrection come to your ears if so the lesson here is do not miss that opportunity see this Jewish blind man had two significant realities operating inside of him the first was this he was in touch with his desperateness I want to see and secondly when he heard what's going on Jesus, the itinerant preacher, is passing by. He did not just understand that this man is Jesus from that little town of Nazareth. Uh Uh-uh. He saw something else. This is the Son of David. He knew His Bible. This is the One! This is the One promised. This is the, the Messiah. This is the Savior. Those two things, his desperateness in saying, I get it. He saw something that many did not see. Jesus is the Son of David. Those two realities are what caused him to publicly express his faith unashamedly. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me! And those who were in front rebuked him. Shut up! Quiet! And he cried out all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me! Because he knows Jesus is passing by right now. This is his opportunity he may not get another chance. This is the big mistake that many people make. I I, I know, I'll follow Jesus eight years from now. or Let me get through my 20s. Or or let me sow enough sin just, just from age 14 to 21. Let me taste of the... Temporal pleasures of sin. And then I will follow Jesus. I got time. Do you? How do you know He'll ever pass by you again? Many boys and girls who are raised in church make this eternal mistake because Jesus may never pass by them. Again. This is how the writer to the Hebrews says it chapter 4. Since therefore it remains for some to enter into this eternal rest of Christ, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of their disobedience, again, He appoints a certain day today. Saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted from Psalm 95, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. And the idea... I got time. I will make that decision a few years from now. That itself is the hardening of your heart. He says, today, cry out like the blind beggar, desperate today, knowing that only Jesus can save you. It's right here. The words are right here. But not the words in themselves. It's a heart from which these words come. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus says to him in verse 41, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your trust. That's what faith means. Your trust in Me has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Those who come to true, genuine faith in Christ follow Jesus. And you want, you want some more on that? Go to last week's sermon on the website on the internet. They all follow Christ. And they give glory to God. This guy, Bartimaeus, we know his name because Mark lets us know his name in his account. He did not point to... <laughs> How great my faith is. Look at that. Jesus said my faith is what made me well. Let's have seminars on faith in your faith. You know there was a book written titled Faith in Your Faith. That's know what he did. Because faith by its definition looks away from itself to the object of Jesus Christ. Of His promises of God. And so, as a whole, there. As we get the story in the, the larger forest here, Luke is saying to his readers, do you see it? Do you see what we see in blind Bartimaeus? Don't be a self-righteous Pharisee or a rich young ruler who claims he keeps all of God's commands from his youth. Don't be that way. Be the person with childlike faith. Be like blind Bartimaeus. Know your desperateness. And know that Jesus is the only one who could save you forever. And then he gives us the story of Zacchaeus. And this story now here is the culmination of what is really going on in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. What we have seen illustrated over the last two months here in Luke. Verse 10. Summed up this way according to the great Savior, the Son of Man, He's explaining what's been happening. This is what's happening. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Remember now, in this text, Jesus is saying that in response to the crowd's grumbling can't believe Jesus would go to the house of this rich, disgusting, excommunicated tax collector. And they grumbled. And Jesus essentially answers them, that is precisely the point. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost in their sin. Start with verse 1, chapter 19. He entered Jericho and he was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received. Jesus, joyfully. Taxes from the Roman Empire, they would use their differing subjects and in the Jewish homeland, they would use Jews to collect the taxes. There were three main hubs of tax collection which was up by Galilee and Capernaum, down south in Jerusalem, and in Jericho. Evidently, Zacchaeus had that sweet spot. With all the foot soldier tax collectors like Matthew on the ground, who then report and oh someone like Zacchaeus, and we have seen already, I won't belabor it, how despised fellow Jewish men collecting your taxes for Rome were in the eyes of the Jew. They were excommunicated from their synagogue. Now Zacchaeus, he's not just the scum, he's the scum of the scum. This is the picture Luke has given us. And Luke knows exactly what he's doing in his narrative. He tells this story of Zacchaeus' conversion shortly after he told the story of the rich young ruler who went away unconverted to Christ. And then, remember, after that, Jesus said, Do you see? It's impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible. And then Jesus said, remember, What is impossible with men, with a rich young ruler or with Zacchaeus left to themselves, is Possible with God. And that's what Luke illustrates with this story. Jesus came to do the impossible. To seek and to save the lost. So let's think about that in this story of Zacchaeus for a while. What is really happening here? Foundation, the bottom line of all of it is clear. Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost the son of man remember that's Jesus's main term when he refers to himself in the third person he about himself son of man is not like oh there's a son of God and then son of man that's his human aspect not at all it's actually a highly exalted term in the scripture and he grabs it from Daniel 7 When Jesus refers to Himself as the Son of Man, He means the divine human being that was promised in Daniel chapter 7. The incarnate One. As Luke showed us at the beginning of his narrative, in the womb of Mary. Listen to how Jesus... Uses this term in a few other places about himself. In John three verse thirteen, he says this: No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. Okay, that's mind-boggling. You pre-existed. That's what he's saying. And now, what does he refer to himself as? No one has ascended in heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. In chapter 6 of John, he says, Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He came. Or in John 5, he says, For as the Father has life, in Himself. You want to know why fellow Jews wanted to kill Him? As God the Father doesn't get life derived from another, but has life in Himself, Jesus claimed, even so He has given to the Son also to have life in Himself. And He goes on, and He has given Him authority to execute judgment Because He is the Son of Man. Jesus is the eternal God in true humanity. At His trial, He quotes Daniel 7, the Son of Man passage, when the high priest finally says, just tell us plainly, are you the Son of God or not? Here's His answer. You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Those are the words of Daniel 7. So when Jesus says now in our text, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He's referring to the fact that He is the second person of the Holy Trinity who has become a human being in order, because He's on His way to Jerusalem. It's been clear. He saw it last week. To die as a sacrifice where sins will be punished for all who will be saved. And He was raised on the third day. He's saying, that's who I am. And He, me, has come. I have come to seek and to save the lost. Not... To potentially save but to actually seek and save Zacchaeus from before the foundation of the world he's mine to save particularly Peter Andrew a few years from now, I know. I do it in my time. I want that Saul scholar guy to live so long before he comes to me. But when it's time, I will get him. Hundreds of years later, Aurelius Augustine, or maybe you, he has come to seek and to actually save Jesus takes the initiative he has come actively to seek out now if we were to ask Zacchaeus a couple years later or something you, you meet him at a church meeting in Jerusalem Zacchaeus how did you get saved? He could recount his own internal movings of what happened, and he would be right about that. There's nothing untrue about it. He could say, "Well, this is what has happened. For a while, I had been I had been hearing stories about this rabbi, this preacher Jesus, and the crowds have been growing. And I've been I've been hearing stories that the Pharisees don't like him, and I've been hearing people say he." He, he likes and He hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. Any religious dude, they don't hang out with me. So I, and I started to feel this c- curious hope. My guilty conscience was nagging me more than ever. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe Jesus could forgive my sins so what is that day i heard his coming in my desperateness because i'm so i'm only about that tall it, it, it i couldn't see it it just caused i gotta see and that's why i climbed into the tree in order to get a peek at him all of that is true about zacchaeus's experience as a finite human being and how did you experience your salvation? But down the road, Zacchaeus becomes more conversant with the text of Scripture, the Bible, and sitting in in church community and listening to it preached and thinking through what God says about salvation. Down the road, Zacchaeus' experience won't change. That was his experience. But he will begin to see that something much more profound and more loving was going on that day than I ever dreamed of. He will begin to to see it was not me ultimately seeking Jesus, but it was because Jesus was first seeking me. He will see. That's why I climbed into the tree. Paul will let us know later in Romans 3. None is righteous. Not one. No one understands no one. Not Peter. Not James or John. And not Zacchaeus. No one seeks for God. And Jesus Himself clearly taught in John 6, no one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws Him. This is why I told you guys that no one can come to Me unless it is granted him by the Father. what he'll say later in John to his disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. So, if Zacchaeus was in that tree in order to seek Jesus, and I do not deny that, it's there in the text, it means it's because of the Father first was working and drawing him. That's why he's there. Zacchaeus did desire to see Jesus. Something was brewing in him because God first sought him. And then in the text, what happens on the road is that Jesus takes the initiative. Verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus had wanted to see Jesus, but he had no clue that Jesus wanted to see him that day. Back in the 1860s, Baptist preacher, pastor, Charles Spurgeon, nailed it when he said, Christ does not leave it to ourselves to seek Him or else it would be left indeed. For so vile is human nature that although heaven be offered and though hell thunder in our ears, Yet there never was and there never will be any man who, unconstrained by sovereign grace, will run in the way of salvation and so escape from hell and flee to heaven. Jesus seeks the lost personally and particularly. We don't know how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, whether the Holy Spirit revealed it to him, or whether he just got it through the scuttlebutt of the town. Someone let it, i do don't, don't—we don't know. But of all the people in this parade going down the road and this big crowd, Jesus zeroed in on this one. And he invited himself (laughs) To his house It's the only time we see That Jesus ever did that He called him Zacchaeus This is how it's going to be Going to your house today baby And when Jesus Calls to a person that way, they're saved. The, what we see here in the call here to Zacchaeus teaches us that that call is not a call that Jesus gives to the mass of humanity, hoping that. Okay, I gave the call up. Maybe Peter will believe. Maybe, maybe Zacchaeus will. Maybe out of the billions of people through the centuries, maybe someone or many of those ones will be smart enough to figure it out. You can save yourself from an eternal damnation. Some will be smart enough and get it. And others won't, Maybe. That's not what his call is here. He calls individuals by name. And when he does that that way, that call creates what it calls for. Faith in repentance. I know. Making that statement comes... Right after the rich young ruler. What must I do to have eternal life? Jesus answered him. And there is a general call to all people. This is what you must do. Flee. Repent from worshiping money. Give it all away. And follow the Savior. You'll have treasure in heaven. All that is absolutely true if he does it. But he did not call. That rich young ruler, the way he called Zacchaeus this day. We've seen it throughout the narrative. A couple years earlier, he's walking by and there's, he probably, his, Matthew's been paying attention and Jesus knows. That's one, okay. That's the one. Okay. Matthew, get rid of this business of tax collecting. Now get rid of your tables and all. Come, abandon that. Follow me. Matthew could not, not follow him. Peter, James, John, Andrew, abandon your fishing business. And follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they did. Have you been called? And if you have, it's a good thing to tell. Your experience, which is different than Zacchaeus's. We all have them. And if you've been called, how did you subjectively experience that? What going on as you saw the working hand of, of God? In, in my spiritual autobiography, this is how I wrote it. By the fall of 1980... Emptiness in the same old fears were becoming the air I breathed. I fell into my first bout with a sense of profound meaninglessness and mild depression which only marijuana soothed temporarily. I was a hollow, barren, lost soul trying to numb the pain of reality with that which could never truly satisfy I didn't write like this part, but I'm going to put that in there now. Jesus was seeking me. They go on. Then in January of 1981, at the age of 19, I began to develop an insatiable desire to read the Bible. I was captivated by the self-authenticating words of Jesus. And then I was overcome by the culmination of His purpose in life, which was to die in the place of sinners in order to bring total and everlasting forgiveness to them. I was feeling purposelessness growing. I had this growing desire to read the Bible, and I was captivated by Jesus. That's my command. Here's the question. Why? How come my brother wasn't? Why? The answer in this text is because Jesus came to seek and to save this undeserving, hell-bound, Lost. So, when that happens, he's created a body. Paul says to that body, to the church in Rome, in chapter eight, this way: "And those whom he predestined, he also called." Okay, stop. How many does he call of those whom he's predestined? All of them. Okay, and those whom he called, he also justified. How many of those people who are called that way come to faith, which is the means to justification, and are justified by Christ? All of them. Paul. He had this bedrock. Death- of who Jesus really is and what the Gospel is about and what He purchased on the cross. He had it in His armory of Gospel preaching when He went out and did missions. This is how He says it in 1 Corinthians 1. We go and we preach Christ executed under the Roman state. We preach Christ crucified. And it's a stumbling block to Jews and it's foolishness to Gentiles. That's it. No one gets saved. That covers humanity. But to those who are called, from among both Jews and Greeks, something happens message. To them, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Have you had that experience where the Holy Spirit was working Life, death, and resurrection. Get good. I got him. I got him on hook. Good prayer. You're a, it's not what he means here. He said to Zacchaeus, today. salvation, let come to your house. Jesus is saving Zacchaeus. Jesus came saved, lost, not potential. not potential. Now, if someone will believe in the cross, the cross purchased all those who he's saving. He came not to make salvation possible, but He came to make salvation. those whom the father gave to him I so said it in John 6 verse 37 all that the father gives me will come to me Lives to him will come to Jesus. I just me, grammatically, logically. that must or it's necessary it is a divine necessity if Jesus' reason for coming is to speak and to save those whom the Father has given to him then that intention will absolutely be accomplished Peter, he's opening up the book of Acts, the Ethiopian, Philip, I've got a guy over here, trying to, he's going back to Africa, reading Isaiah, I'll, I'll get you over there, don't worry about it, get him, he's mine. Paul's getting frustrated in his missionary journey, he's ready to, I can't take it anymore. He just keeps spurring up, and I have rocks at us. He's the vision, like stay here, Paul, I have nine souls. I, I have them. Trust me on this one, Paul. Just keep pushing. Luke is mine. Down by the river, Paul's bridge. And Luke. Oh, that's just, uh, because Luke was there. And the Lord. And the Lord. Justin, the rich Martin Luther, your grandma, and the going to Say those mm-hmm. Just say it this way. Peter got the one bird. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, now he says <laughs> it! <laughs> <laughs>